covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us today as we uh, come your way after another week's worth of Brewers baseball. It certainly has been an interesting week. COVID-19 is continuing to have a major impact. Unfortunately, we're once again in a place where we are uh, largely talking about that. The Brewers at home this week. Uh, some things went well, some things did not go well, and we'll get into all of that coming up in just a few moments. As always, our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to, again, contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe and leave a ranking and review. That would be awesome and very much appreciated. Um. So the Brewers just get done with, uh, and by the way, Will Salmon is going to be our featured guest this week uh, from The Athletic. And I'll tell you this now, we recorded the conversation prior to Game 3 between the Brewers and the Giants. So when we recorded the call, uh, we did not know how things turned out uh, in that third game. And it was certainly an eventful third game uh, in the series. But nothing that happened in that third game is not really something that hasn't happened before outside of the, you know, recently when when speaking of some of the issues that the team has been dealing with. And look, the team is dealing with COVID stuff and it's not good. I I think we can call it an outbreak. You know, when they had nine players over 12 days end up on the COVID list, that is not, that's not a good situation. It's a really bad situation. And we've started to see some players come back. Christian Yelich got back. Uh, Jace Peterson got back. Uh, we're going to see Jake Cousins and Hunter Strickland here very, very soon. So players are starting to come back. And the thing that you can be hopeful about is that th- it won't happen again, um, that they're they're clear maybe through the rest of the season. And there's no I, I kind of chuckled when I said that because there's no guarantee of that. Um, it This... This Delta variant thing is obviously something that even if you have uh, the vaccine, you can test positive for. I think it's pretty clear. Something that that I really try to do and try to stay vigilant about when we talk about anything related to COVID, and I always put on the disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I consider myself someone who tries to stay uh, pretty educated about everything, and and, and I do read and, and look at things coming in from both directions on this. It does seem that I think we need to separate like the human element and the baseball element to this whole thing. Uh, these guys who are testing positive are having very minimal symptoms for the most part, at least the ones uh, who are vaccinated. And we're learning that that's, that's largely what the vaccine is doing against the Delta variant, is that it is limiting symptoms, which is very important. Keeps you out of the hospital, keeps you uh, not dealing with uh, some really severe major symptoms. That That's important. But from a baseball perspective, it also means that you're down for 10 days. You know, there's been a lot of discussion lately about if you test positive and you don't have symptoms and you don't and, and you're testing negative two, three, four days later, why do you have to sit out? that entire 10-day period? I think that's a legitimate question. I'm not smart enough to answer that question, or at least informed and educated enough to answer that question. But I do think this is an an evolving situation that I'm sure Major League Baseball is taking a, a very deep look at. And 
we're learning right now that you can get the vaccine and still test positive, but that doesn't mean you don't want the vaccine and that the vaccine's not working because what the vaccine is still doing is it's limiting symptoms. But then that next step would maybe be, okay, well, then if you take the vaccine and limit symptoms and you're testing negative three days later, should that be enough to get you back on the field? That, that, that's maybe a discussion that Major League Baseball is having. I don't know. I think it's probably a discussion worth having, but I'm not. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have a say in the room, to to say the least. So I, look, I say all that to to say this: the Brewers are fighting through this thing, and you give them credit for how competitive they have been able to remain. Um, they have lost games. You know, I I would argue, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I would argue that of the of the games that they played on this most recent homestand, three against Pittsburgh, three against San Francisco. They took two of three against the Pirates. They uh, lose two of three to the Giants. My argument is that they probably, uh, if everything else kind of stays the same, and but they just have those pitchers available that are not uh, that are not available, they they probably go six and zero. Oh. Um, that was uh, that was a big part of this. So th- these are some COVID losses. Now that's. I was talking about it on the the Brewers' extra innings postgame show after Sunday's game. In many ways, that sounds like an excuse, and I guess by definition it is. Um, and I I don't uh, you know, you're still they're they're professional ball players who've done this for a long time and are getting paid to go out there and do a job. You're supposed to do your job, so I don't like the idea uh, of throwing out these excuses. But we can't run away from the fact that so many guys are missing, and more importantly, so many relief pitchers are being put into roles that maybe don't suit them the best. And I think this is the most important thing about this giant series. Even if you have the exact same COVID issues, even if um, the the pitching performed the way it did. Really, the Brewers were were two plays away from sweeping that series, even with the pitching the way it was. If Avisael Garcia catches the ball in right field on Saturday, the Brewers win that game right there in that moment. The second the ball lands in his glove, that is out number three of the ninth inning, and the Brewers win. Uh, this is harder to be as definitive about, but I would also argue that if uh, Luis Urias does not make the uh, the air on Sunday, the Brewers probably win that game. Pro- we'll go probably. We can't say for sure because it's not the situation like it was with Garcia where he <laughs> they literally win the game if he makes the catch. Uh, but it, they probably win the game if Urias does not uh, commit an error in that situation. Say, same thing with um, the, the one loss against the Pirates. Uh, if Willie Adamas does not commit the air on what looked like to be a double play ball, the Brewers probably win that game. That was the Adrian Hauser game where he was taken out with the no hitter. So, th- I mean, there's three plays. We don't we don't have to talk at all about the relief pitching. We don't have to talk at all about the guys who are missing games due to COVID. Like we can just throw all that to the side for a second and get really specific about three individual plays that happened in. You know, in one of those in each game, and that play being largely the difference. So there's that side of it. And then I would again, I'd argue that if if the Brewers had their full assortment of relief pitchers and weren't dealing with COVID issues, they probably would have won those games, even if those those errors and, and miscues would have happened. But it was a perfect storm where between the pitchers that were being used and the mistakes that were being made in the field, and it cost the Brewers some games. You hope, you hope that it's not something that's going to result. 
in the Brewers losing the division. The Reds are coming on. I still think this is the Brewers' division to uh, to to win. I, this is the Brewers' division, as far as I'm concerned. I would still be, and I know people hate it when I say this because they think I'm tempting the the baseball gods. I I think this is the Brewers' division, and I just I don't buy the Reds as being good enough to catch the Brewers. At the same time, you give the Reds all the credit in the world for doing what they have been able to do to get, as we record this on Sunday night, to get within five games of the Brewers. Now, the Brewers played a bunch of games against the Pirates, and they had success, and the Reds just got done playing uh, the Pirates. The Reds' schedule, it's a a good schedule for them. They don't play many sub-500 teams, or excuse me, they don't play many uh, above-500 teams. Uh, The rest of the way, it's mostly sub-500 teams that they're going to be uh, playing against, uh, and and there's still one series uh, between the two teams. That's going to be coming up uh, in the next homestand, actually. The Brewers are about to go on a long road trip. Four in Chicago, three more in Pittsburgh, and then three in St. Louis before they're back home uh, for six games, three against Washington, three against Cincinnati, and that will just about wrap up the month of August. And those three games against Cincinnati are going to be three absolutely huge, ginormous kind of games. Uh, that's going to be those are going to be really really important games uh, for for the Brewers, and it's a it's a long way away, and we'll see where each team is sitting at that point. But if 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 the trajectory continues where it's going right now, you can kind of circle those games. But there's work to do. The Brewers have got to go have success against the Cubs. The Cubs are now a very bad team. They weren't a great team, but they're a bad team. But you know that guys on that team, guys in that organization, guys who have been around the Brewers Cubs rivalry they they smell blood in the water right now and they would love the opportunity to really impact the brewers and their pennant chase um pittsburgh can give the brewers a little bit of trouble st louis is uh, even with what cincinnati's doing i think when st louis is at their uh, at their best and that includes having pitchers like uh jack flaherty and, and miles michaelis who have been injured for for much of the season but are are close to coming back I would still take St. Louis over Cincinnati when when they have those pitchers. When they don't have those pitchers, uh, I would not take St. Louis uh, over Cincinnati. And for whatever reason, uh, the Cardinals just have not been able to put it all together this year. And, and it's really turned into a one-plus team race, meaning it's the Brewers, and then there's kind of one team just sort of lurking, just kind of lingering around there. Most important thing right now for the Brewers is, is, is you know just fight through the, the COVID issues, they're going to have some roster decisions to make. We talk about this a lot, and you know I always say that you know everything just kind of works itself out. Well, they're en route to being forced to make some tough decisions. Like it, the, the roster situation, if it's a one-for-one sort of deal where you've got one guy that's on the injured list and you really don't know how you're going to activate them, that's the situation where it kind of always takes care of itself. A guy ends up on the injured list or something happens. Uh, because of the rules, the roster rules when it comes to COVID, that essentially if you have a 40-man roster guy, and if he's on the big league roster, clearly he's a 40-man roster guy, if you have uh, if you have somebody on the roster go down due to COVID, you can replace them on the 40-man roster kind of free of charge, meaning you, you get a 40-man exemption, which is great for the moment, but eventually you're going to make some decisions. And you are able to return those guys to AAA. Like it, when Blaine Hart, if and when Blaine Hardy returns to AAA, he will not have to be designated for assignment 
because he is designated as a COVID replacement player. So because of that, he's currently on the 40-man roster. He wasn't on the 40-man roster. Essentially, he can be removed from the 40-man roster and returned to the minor leagues without passing through waivers uh, because he was a COVID replacement. So uh, some of it will, will take care of itself, but there's still there's tough decisions to be made. You still have Daniel Vogelback. You still have Travis Shaw sitting there on minor league rehab assignments uh, ready to return at some point in the relatively near future. And... You look at the 26-man roster, and there's just not a whole lot of space for um, for anybody to uh, to be added. And you know, for a Travis Shaw, for example, like at least Daniel Vogelback's on the 40-man roster. For a Travis Shaw, because he's on the 60-day injured list, he doesn't currently count against your 40-man roster. So a, a 40-man move would have to be made there. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, and uh, we'll see how it all ends up uh, playing out. But it is a uh, they're fine. It's a, it's a good position to be in in the sense that they have a lead in the division. And, and thankfully, I mean, if the if the Brewers would have just gone into this last homestand with a one- or two-game lead on Cincinnati and all of a sudden that turned over and you've got three games that you can really trace back to COVID, I think that's a tougher pill to swallow. As a fan, I think you're really frustrated in that moment because of what's going on. Now, if the Brewers end up giving the division up and they lose the division by one game – I think you retroactively look back at this time period and the games that were lost. But for now, the Brewers are fine, um, and they're in good sh- they're in good shape. I also want to mention that the series against the Giants was fun. If that ends up being the NLCS, I'm all in on that. Those are two really good teams that play the game for the most part the right way. Um, just an interesting matchup in in many ways. Like I am all in on that. That's uh, that would be a lot of fun to see those two teams play uh, in a playoff series, and you would think just based off the way the standings are sitting, in all likelihood, that would turn into an NLCS uh, if, if the Giants continue to uh, hold on to the top spot. Even if they don't, I mean, if that, the wild card game looks like uh, it's going to be the winner of the NL West against the, uh, and then the wild card game. Well, the, let me rephrase that. The the way things are playing out right now is. Whoever wins the National League West is probably going to have the best record in the National League. And then you're going to have the wild card game, which is absolutely going to include the second team in the National League West. And right now it looks like either the Dodgers or the Giants will be those two teams. And then the second wild card right now probably will be the Padres. But again, the Reds are coming on, and they're not out of it yet. And the Reds could are, are in they're, they are right there in contention for that second wild card. So the way that sits, it means that the winner of the NL Central and the winner of the NL East will end up playing a divisional series against each other. So if the Brewers were to match up against the Giants, it would almost have to be in the NLCS because they would then play the uh, the winner of that uh, NL West division champion against the wildcard winner uh, game. So yeah, we're we're looking down the road a little bit, but that's fun. We're at, we're at the point, you know, once you pass the trade deadline, you can do that. You can look down the road a little bit and uh, and have fun doing it. And that's what we're doing. We're having fun. We're looking ahead. Not saying that the Brewers have anything locked up, uh, but we absolutely are looking ahead. All right, so uh, as mentioned, uh, it's a little bit different this week. It's going to sound a little bit different. We did this with Andrew Wagner two, three weeks ago, the week of the uh, Sunday night game. So that would have been a couple weeks ago. and we may try to do this uh, a little bit more because I like being able to talk to people uh, in person. Uh, Will Salmon 
does a does a fantastic job covering the Brewers uh, for the Athletic. Love, just love, love, love his uh, his storytelling ability. We'll talk about it in this conversation, but he did a um, he did a piece on uh, Rowdy Telez earlier this week uh, or last week by the time you're listening to the podcast probably which was uh, absolutely uh, fantastic so got the chance to talk to Will again we are recording this conversation prior to uh, game three between the Brewers and Giants so just kind of keep that in mind Uh, we try to touch on more big picture issues so that doesn't really uh, factor into it but you can keep that in mind Uh, follow him on Twitter Will Salmon W-I-L-L-S-A-M-M-O-N here's the conversation that I recorded Sunday afternoon with Will Salmon. We are doing a uh, air quotes live interview here for our weekly uh, conversation as we bring in uh, Will Salmon from The Athletic. We are recording this prior to the game on Sunday, so you're listening to this after this game. You know if the Brewers won the series or lost the series. As we are recording this, we don't actually know, but that's that's all right. The bigger uh, picture to uh, certainly talk about here. Uh, Will Salmon joins us. Will, thanks for your time. How are you? Good, Matt. Thanks, thanks for having me on. always appreciate it. Yeah, let's um this team the, the covid issues it's it's an outbreak i mean there's a lot of players who are dealing with it uh we've not heard anything on sunday as we're talking about any positive tests there was nothing on saturday so hopefully they've, they've turned a corner but the good thing is it's happening now the bad thing is, is it's happening how do you kind of uh, evaluate what's happening right now with the brewers dealing with all these covid issues it's a really tricky thing if you remember like when christian yelich first tested positive uh for covid Craig Council was asked about it, and one of the questions was like phrased in the way that suggested that they were sort of out of it or that they were in the clear because it was just Yelich, right? Like that was like, or just Yelich and Jace Peterson because of the contact tracing. And Craig Council pushed back a little bit on that at the time and said, look, you know, we're not certainly not out of the woods here quite yet. There's there's going to be more testing. We got to see how other guys feel. And lo and behold, they had a they had a batch of other guys test positive, feel symptoms first, then report it, and then test positive for for, for COVID-19. So it's been unfortunate for the Brewers. It's particularly hurt their bullpen. I felt like in the two losses that we're talking about recently, um, that's where we saw a little bit of the. Uh, effect of missing a few guys or what that looks like as far as just the trickle down effect of who gets to pitch when. Um, certainly, you know, Brent Suter was on the mound on Saturday night in that save opportunity. That would have been Josh Hader. Now, we know that they did not win that game in the ninth inning because obviously El Garcia could not catch that fly ball, but you know, maybe that ball isn't even hit if Hader is on the mound, right? So, like, there's a lot of, like, what-ifs that you could play um, because of the COVID situation. And, frankly, I mean, they were missing a handful of right-handed pitchers, too. And so that's why we saw uh, John Curtis pitch back-to-backs at first when he was first acquired. And then they signed John Axford out of nowhere, so that was weird. Um, So they've had to patch it together remarkably. They've won more games than they've lost during this stretch since Yelich tested positive. Now he's back. They hope to get um, Hader back at some point next week. They should get Cousins and Strickland back as well. So hopefully for their sake, they are um, back together as the group that they sort of had maybe two weeks ago. There's no guarantee that they're not going to be dealing with COVID issues in September or even October. But the fact that they're dealing with them now, at least from my perspective, a very uneducated perspective, I feel like it happening now precludes it may be happening in September and October isn't if if it turns out that way if they 
come out of this and then are healthy the rest of the way. Isn't that the benefit of all this, that it happened now and not September or October? Yeah, that crossed my mind too, Matt. Like, hey, at least it's like now and not for nothing, but they also had the Pirates a lot on the schedule. They have the Cubs for a four-game series coming up, and the Cubs are not very good, obviously, anymore. Um, certainly they had the Giants, and the Braves are a pretty solid team as well, so it's sort of evened out. But my point is, is that it could be a lot worse, and it could be, like you're suggesting, at a time when you really can't afford to have it happen. So it does make you kind of scratch your head, though, and wonder, like, how MLB will handle this, though, when it is, like, say, the postseason or when it's, like, the end of September and guys are and teams are battling jockeying for positions and, you know, trying to stake their claim into those final uh, playoff berths. Yeah, you guys had a piece at the, uh, at the Athletic. I don't remember off the top of my head who wrote it, but talk about the idea that Major League Baseball Players Association and the owners could come together and once again kind of stiffen up uh, protocols moving forward. And uh, I, you don't get the sense that it'll ever look the way it looked last year and it will not be a full bubble, but there certainly are some things that Major League Baseball could probably impose. Sure. I mean, they could enforce like the stricter uh, testing perhaps too, like go back to that. Um, we are seeing more and more guys sort of uh, bring up symptoms or unfortunately experience symptoms and that um, yield to test and then we've seen guys of course test positive and it's not just the Brewers right I mean like the Yankees have had their issues I believe um, Anthony Rizzo actually just went on the COVID IL as, as we as we're speaking on Sunday after Sunday morning um, so there's been a couple of teams aside from the Brewers who have been impacted by this and it's one of those deals where it's like I don't know exactly what the great answers are or the right answers are um, and I'm certainly not envious of the people who have to figure that one out because like you said before about having like that uneducated guess of just like hey maybe this is actually not you know I don't want to say a good thing or a bad thing but just maybe it's precludes them from having this occur in late September or October maybe it does I mean maybe it doesn't it's like there's so many different like unknowns out there that we're sort of just guessing as we go or figuring out more information as we go. The pitching throughout the year has been really good. Since the All-Star break, the team has turned into one of the best hitting teams uh, in all of baseball. Rowdy Telez has been really good at first base. Eduardo Escobar has made an impact right away. Lorenzo Cain has done a nice job since coming off the injured list. I think a lot of times over the course of a 162-game season when you have surges in one direction or another, what I do, I think what you do, is you try to figure out, okay, is this real or is this just a temporary sort of thing? How real do you think is what the Brewers are doing right now from an offensive standpoint? Well, they're much better. I think that their lineup is so much deeper than it was, say, in like April and those early May days where everybody was, rightfully so, questioning this offense, wondering if they would ever get it going because of what we saw last year as well. I think that had an effect, um, especially when you're looking at it in April and May and things don't look like they change. But there's a few different reasons for it. Like I said, it's a lot deeper. Willie Adamas is a reason in of himself. Um, he's definitely put up MVP-worthy numbers with the Brewers, I feel like. Um, obviously, they added Eduardo Escobar, like you said, Matt. Um, but also, somebody like Rowdy Telez, I think, deepens the lineup a bit. He offers a, a power dynamic that they did not have before him, really. And um, even, like, Lorenzo Cain coming back. I mean, he batted eighth the other day. I mean, like, you had, like, Lorenzo Cain batting eighth. And you've had some lineups where, obviously, Garcia is batting sixth. And he's been one of your more consistent guys in the whole over the whole season. Um, so with that and with Wong, Adamas, uh, Nervais at the top, 
Um, you're adding Yelich back into the lineup, so it's a deeper group. I also think that they've done a lot better on breaking balls, which is like a weird observation, but like that's it's it's real. Like if you look at it, like they were horrible against breaking pitches. Obviously Garcia in particular was just really bad off against sliders and pitches. Really attacked those guys on those pitches. Um, since I want to say June, it, it's been really good actually. Like we've seen them really make an improvement in that area, and so I think that pitchers are not attacking them the same way that they did April because they can't anymore because they've made certain adjustments. Um, and I'm referring to guys who have been in this lineup the whole year, like Nervaez, Garcia, Wong, um, those guys, Tyrone Taylor for that matter as well, have really made some nice adjustments against certain pitches, and they've taken away some weaknesses that pitches were attacking. So it's a combination of that, plus certainly the lineup getting deeper with the acquisitions that David Stearns made. That's an interesting point you make about the, the breaking stuff. It's really hard to answer this question I'm about to ask you, but I'll ask you nonetheless. How much of that do you think is adjustments? And also you talk about the timeline. That timeline coincides pretty well with Major League Baseball cracking down on sticky stuff. So that means breaking pitches are not doing what they were you know, in, in April and May of this year. How much do you kind of attribute those two things working with each other? I think you'd have to be naive to not think that that's probably part of it. Um, so I, I will definitely say that that's probably part of it. But the other side of it is, or a part of that equation is also the fact that they needed like a month or two to kind of like have the statistics say something that they could really go to the bank with and say, okay, this is actually what's happening here. Like these numbers are real. It's been already a month and a half, two months, whatever it's been. This is how pitchers are, pitchers are getting us out and attacking us. And so they needed that data, I guess, to really confirm what they were seeing. Um, and then they go to the drawing board and they say, okay, how do we fix it? And then they could bring the information from their data people in the front office, and they could relay that to Andy Haynes and Jacob Cruz, the hitting instructors, and say, hey, this is what's going on. And, and make no mistake, like, Cruz and Haynes were well aware of this anyway. Like, it's not, it's not, I'm not suggesting that this was news to them. It wasn't. Um, but... What I'm getting at is they can work cohesively and then bring that information and find a way to communicate that to the players, speak their language, get it out there, and then work on them, work with them on the adjustments. And I think that's what we're seeing. Combination of that, plus, like you said, the sticky stuff is. I would put a decent wager that that's probably part of it as well. You had a piece recently. Uh, you got the chance to talk with Rowdy Telez, who we're talking about. It was a. I encourage everybody. I hope people listening to this are subscribers to the Athletic, and uh, for what you do, but for what everybody on staff does, it really feels like. The Athletic is very good with you, including finding people who are good storytellers, and you, and you tell the story of, of Rowdy Telez, and it's more than baseball. It's uh, his mom passing away but before he's making his Major League debut, his his moments of being good and then moments of not getting opportunity, uh, the idea that he, I think he was drafted in the 30th round. I think he told you that he wanted to be the best 30th round draft pick uh, in the history of Major League Baseball. I'm not trying to give away your entire story, but how much did you enjoy being able to kind of relay that story from a guy who's a fairly interesting guy? Yeah, I liked Rowdy Telez when he was on the Blue Jays, just as somebody who follows baseball a lot. I always looked at his numbers, his hard hit rate, like his max exit velocity. They're all like off the charts. They're all like the stuff that particularly teams like the Brewers really like. And that's why they went out and they acquired him. And so like my thing was always like, I think this guy always just needed a chance because now we're seeing him really put up some consistent, consistently good at bats, getting some good results, winning some games. So like my thing was like, okay, like, what else is there with this guy? Like, why wasn't he given this chance? What happened when he was given chances previously? And so he 
first got called up in 2018, makes his debut, and he made his debut, I think, about two weeks, approximately two weeks after his mother passed away because of brain cancer, which was which is horrible and very very sad. But with that with, with that call up and the subsequent success afterward for that month or so did for him was it kind of allowed him to just focus a little bit on baseball as much as possible and enjoy something for for a change because I'm sure he was upset, depressed, whatever you want to say. I don't want to speak for him, but you can only imagine losing your mother, what that's like. So what that month did was allow him, to, like I said, to have experience some success, feel good about something. But I think when that season ended and he went into 2019, I think that's really, really when the loss of his mother hit him from what he was telling me. And, you know, he's not going to say, he's not going to connect the dots necessarily on a bad season and problems, personal issues or things that he's overcoming in his personal life. But if you look at the numbers, you can kind of see like, okay, this was somebody that wasn't his right self. Um, and so after that season, he, he sought help. Um, he got some counseling. Um, he did that on his own. The Blue Jays did say like, hey, if you want somebody, we have somebody. And they are really good about that, like the Brewers are. Um, but Telez wanted to do this on his own and he wanted to keep it kind of separate. Like he wanted this to be a personal thing that he did for himself um, to make him a better person in his family. And he went out and did that, and he also just became really aware of who he was as a person, got into reading a lot more. So he made some significant changes on the personal side, and he also made some hitting adjustments as well, got better with two strikes, that sort of thing. That's not uncommon for a young player. I think what's more important is the adjustments that he made in his personal life, which kind of carried over to his professional life. And I think what we're seeing now is just the Brewers have a guy who professionally and personally is just probably in a good spot in his life right now and he's only 26 years old um, you can tell when he's up he doesn't strike out a whole lot he makes a lot of contact he's pretty good with two strikes and he has power and not for nothing but he's been a pretty serviceable adequate first baseman defensively for the most part he's had a couple of miscues but some also some fine scoops on on some low throws as well so I like him um, he's under team control for a few more years so it was a nice little um, under the radar trade, which David Stearns is becoming uh, quite known for. Well, Salmon continues to join us. Just a couple more questions for him here on Brewers Externings, uh, the podcast. At some point, if, if this team gets healthy, at some point there's going to be some tough roster decisions. And the COVID IL is really interesting because you basically get these exemptions when it comes to the 40-man roster. But what that does is you're going to have to clean up the 40-man at some point. Uh, Travis Shaw is on the 60-day, so he doesn't count against the 40-man. Things tend to work out, but at the same time, there's enough out there right now. that Don't you think it's going to be an, an interesting few weeks here for David Stearns and Matt Arnold as they try to get everything kind of back in order? Certainly, because right now I think you have Daniel Vogelback and Travis Shaw, of course, in AAA Nashville. And Vogelback, for instance, is hitting the ball really well. I think he has like a 400 average over his, like, his last seven games there. Um, yeah, I, think, I believe he started that assignment on the 29th or so of July. And uh, he could really only stay there for about 20 days. I think that's the rule for like uh, major league guys. And so they're going to have to face a decision uh, unless somebody gets injured or maybe something happens to Telez or whatever. Um, that's probably one of their bigger ones is what they do because Telez has that option, that minor league option that they could exercise um, and bring him down. Of course, he was with AAA Buffalo with the Blue Jays when they acquired him. 
do you see that happening if he continues to hit? I hope not, right? Like, that would be weird. But, uh, again, I mean, they like Vogelback, though. I mean, they, they've liked him a lot. And um, they're different players, I think, is a point, too, to make. Like, people look at their size and that they play first base, and I think there's a false um, thinking out there that they're, like, the same guy. They're, they're really not. They're really different hitters. Like, Vogelback is more of a guy who's looking to take the walk, who's getting these long at-bats, very patient. Telez makes a lot more contact. I would say he probably has more power on a consistent level, too. Um, probably better defensively. But still, they're going to have to face that decision. I don't think that in a perfect world they want to lose either one of them um, because of depth purposes, but they may be forced to. Um, so they may have to make some tough decisions with uh, the possibility of DFAing uh, Travis Shaw or uh, Vogelback. And I bring up Shaw just because, I mean, they, they added Eduardo Escobar yeah. before the deadline, and that was basically the spot that Shaw was occupying, like that um, – Escobar's a switch hitter, but you could bat from the left side, have some pop, play first base, third base. They're forcing Escobar to play. No, I don't want to say forcing, but they're having Escobar play a little bit of first base. Um, so he's basically a better version of what Travis Shaw was giving them. So that, in theory, would mitigate the um, value of Shaw for this team. But we'll see, because like you said, I mean, these things, um, they do tend to figure themselves out. Um, but if all goes smoothly for the Brewers, they will be faced with a couple of decisions on those guys. I know Craig Council will never say it. He's been asked about it and as, won't say it. But you're in a spot right now. You don't have the division locked up, but you have a cushion. And it's a, it's a solid cushion. Uh, how much can this team just focus on, you know, whether it's staying with the six-day rotation. We don't really totally know what's going to happen with that with Hauser on, and Lauer on the, the COVID list. But whether it's keeping the six-day rotation, not pushing your relievers too much, knowing that maybe your record isn't going to be what it could be, but at the same place, really trying to set yourself up for being your best self going into the postseason. How much can there be a focus on that, on what we're talking on August 8th? Yeah, it's a balance because at the same time, like you want to give those guys rest, but what they've also found, and this is why they went back to sort of like the five-day rest for a little while and they scrapped the six-man rotation until they kind of had to because of what was going on um, was because they wanted these guys on a somewhat like more regular rest where they were shorter rest than what they were given because they found that you know they also got to keep these guys sharp you know because like what good are they if they're not at their best anyway so it's been a balancing act there I know Chris Hook has um, done a great job in my opinion because if you look at it these guys have all stayed healthy which is the big part of it um, and they've performed quite well. Um, Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer, and Adrian Hauser included, uh, along with the big three of Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns. Um, so it's definitely a balancing act. Um, I'm not sure like what the great answer is there. I think because they have those six, they could be a little bit creative with it. Um, I'd anticipate them kind of staying with maybe like that um, every fifth day approach again once they get back to the regular guys that they've been counting on all year just because like I said they want these guys to be sharp as possible they want them rested but you could always sort of what they did with Freddie Peralta and a couple of other guys is you could also always limit their pitch counts a little bit and then work them work them back up with about what four or five weeks left in the season um, once guys get fully healthy again from COVID um, they may not have a whole lot of time to to really be all that flexible too with with that approach so we'll see I think that going into the playoffs they, they really have to have that rest sort of like on a more lockdown schedule he is will salmon he covers the brewers for the athletic you should subscribe to the athletic it doesn't cost a ton of money and uh, the content you get is absolutely uh worth it well thanks so much for your time we'll do this again soon anytime matt thanks for having me on man appreciate it 
That was my conversation with uh, Will Salmon. Recorded that uh, Sunday afternoon again prior to the Brewers and the Giants wrapping up uh, their series against each other. And uh, certainly appreciate uh, him uh, taking some time. Here's what's coming up for the Brewers this week. Four games against the Cubs, three games against the Pirates, all on the road. Uh, For the Cubs series, Freddie Peralta is going to pitch the opener, and that's really all that we know uh, at this point in time uh, with with the Brewers having uh, multiple players on the COVID injured list from the rotation and Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer, uh, they've still got some, they still got some things to, uh, to figure out as far as who's going to be pitching. Um, I really think there is a good chance that we are going to see uh, Aaron Ashby make a start at some point, maybe, maybe, maybe as early as Tuesday against the Cubs. You just, I'm I got no inside information on this one, uh, but you just look at the situation as it sits in in the moment, and you kind of say to yourself that there's a good chance that uh, Ashby's going to be making a start. If you remember, uh, earlier this year at AAA, um, Ashby had been moved to the bullpen, and they were going to work him as a relief pitcher with the idea that that might be the area where he could help the Brewers this year. Well, somewhat quietly, you know, his last time out he started for, for Nashville. He went six innings, allowing just one hit. It looks like they've stretched him back out as a starter. Maybe they've made the decision that uh, that him coming up and helping the Brewers as a relief pitcher is not something that's really in the cards. And now with everything that's going on, there's a, there's a good chance that we will see him. Ethan Small, I've gotten a bunch of questions about him. He is banged up. Uh, he has not pitched since early July. I didn't realize he'd been out that long. And to be perfectly honest with you, uh, when I was tweeting about stuff on, on Sunday, somebody asked me about him, and I just looked at his numbers, and I didn't look at the date of his last time out. And it, uh, I, it completely, I completely skipped or forgotten or not, not been able to recall, but the fact that, yeah, he is currently out. But uh, Ethan Small is currently banged up, uh, and we'll see when he is able to return and whether or not he's able to return and get um, – Maybe a couple outings in at Nashville might uh, determine whether or not uh, he's going to come up and uh, contribute to the team. But I would think that we'll probably see uh, Ashby make a start at some point during this road trip for the Brewers. Maybe multiple starts because it is a uh, it is a long road trip. And when talking about people like Ethan Small, I do think it's worth mentioning the fact that um, he is um, he's not on the forty man roster and. The, the bigger roster point is when it comes to expanded rosters, if you remember, they are not doing the, um, the 40-man rosters anymore. They only add two roster spots in September. So it goes from 26 to 28. When they first made the rule, the active roster was still sitting at 25. Uh, then they increased the active roster to 26. They did not, however, increase the extra players that you get. So just two extra players in September, and that's nice to have, especially from a pitching standpoint. You would think that uh, one or both of those players uh, would end up being uh, pitchers, but it's a, it's a whole lot different than the 40-man rotation standpoint. Uh, there had been some speculation out there that maybe Josh Limblum could end up uh, getting uh, coming back to the Brewers. Same thing, they'd have to make a 40-man roster move for him. He pitched on a Sunday night for Nashville, went uh, two and two-thirds innings, allowing two runs on four hits. Um, but So you don't really... 
you don't know completely what's going on uh, what's going on there, but not sure if uh, Josh Lindblom would be you know added back to the 40-man roster if they are, uh, especially again with the 40-man the roster crunch situation that you're going to have again moving forward. As always, uh, listen to games on WTMJ. Hope you uh, would join us on our uh, post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings. Not the podcast, just regular Brewers Extra Innings. We do that following uh, most games on uh, WTMJ. Streaming at WTMJ.com. Sometimes get the questions about the streaming. Uh, if you are out of market, if, if you are in the Milwaukee five-county area, you can stream the Brewers games on WTMJ.com or any streaming uh, device that you use. But if you are outside that area, uh, Major League Baseball controls the the national streaming rights, so those games are not streaming. However, my post game show is not part of that. So uh, just hang. You know, generally the network post game goes like 20, 25 minutes or so, thirty minutes on a on a on a long show day. And uh, then, so once that gets over, that's when uh, our post-game show takes over. So if you're streaming WTMJ, it will switch over to my uh, post-game show uh, once the network broadcast ends. So if you want to join us and get some real-time reaction to uh, games, always enjoy being able to uh, to hear from folks. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. I appreciate Will Salmon for joining us. I appreciate you for listening to us. And we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.